God, yeah. Well, put your hands on your heart and let's pray together. Father, we thank you. Lord, we ask for ears to hear, eyes to see, and a heart to receive what you have for us. God, we thank you. We, we don't want man's wisdom. We want to see the power of God manifest in our own lives. And so we thank you, Lord, for speaking to us in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 We'll tell your neighbor that it is so good to see him, and you're glad they came to church this morning. <laughs> and then, if you would, would you turn in your Bibles? Thank you, Rebecca. Give Rebecca a hand. She's amazing. She is a blessing. Turn over to John chapter 20. Last week, I began to talk to you about the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> and it's one of the uh, controversial subjects in the body of Christ. Actually, things that have to do with the Holy Spirit. And in some ways, it can seem, and that's not, <laughs> we're, we're, we're myth-busting some things in, uh, in this. But last week, I talked to you about who is the Holy Spirit. And we showed you that he's been around all the way since creation. He's a part of the Trinity, and the Trinity has always been Father, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And we saw him in creation where he was hovering over the face of the deep. And, and we saw him in the, one of the three functions that God the Father, God the Son, and the Holy Spirit, God the, the Holy Spirit, function in. They each have different functions and different roles. And so we put it this way. For instance, if, if let's say that God wanted to give a command to go and turn a light on, God would be the one who gave the command. Jesus would be the one that walks over to the wall and flips the switch. And the Holy Spirit would be the generator, the power that causes the light to come on. If I was to break down those three purposes. So God gives the command. Jesus is the word that was sent. He was the word of God. The word was made flesh and dwelt among us. So Jesus was the word who became flesh. So he's the one that came and, and did what God commanded to do. But it was the Holy Spirit that brought the power. You notice in the gospels that Jesus didn't do any miracles until the Holy Spirit came upon him. Anywhere in, the, in scripture that you see power, you see something powerful happening, you'll find the Holy Spirit. Yeah, that was a good word. So I want to start, I want to start with uh, salvation and what the purpose is of the Holy Spirit in salvation, what his role is. So if you're in John chapter 20, I want you to look at verse 22. Jesus has died on the cross. He has risen from the grave. He's appeared to many people. The disciples are in a place where they have the door locked because they're afraid of the Jews. The Jews just crucified their master, the Savior. And so they're wondering, they don't know what's going to happen next. And so Jesus appears to them and he says, peace to you. And then he says this in verse 22, it says that he breathed on them and he said, receive the Holy Spirit. Yeah. I'm reading scripture that Jesus yeah. breathed on them and he said, receive the Holy Spirit. Now, this is interesting because the word breathed, he breathed on them. It's the same word used in Genesis. In Genesis chapter 2, when God formed man of the dust of the ground and he breathed into his nostrils the breath 
of life and man became a living being. So this is interesting. This is what the Faith Life Study Bible had to say about this verse in John. In both Hebrew and Greek, the word for breath also is the word for spirit. The spirit has gone out of a man, the breath, they stop breathing. Jesus breathes God's spirit, the Holy Spirit, into the disciples. In so doing, he restores God's original intent. His people take up his image again. Meaning that the image of God that he created Adam and Eve with in the garden that they lost because of sin, now through the life that Jesus breathes into us when we get born again, we now take on that same image that was before sin. The image of God. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, you've been made a new creation in Christ. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. So guess what we get to do? We get to put on a brand new image. My, uh, my, my wife, her maiden name is Bartlett. And uh, their family has traced their um, their roots, their family roots, all the way back to Josiah Bartlett, who signed the Declaration of Independence. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty cool. It's like a national treasure thing. And, um, I, and so I always thought, personally, I didn't know if I was related to anybody. I mean, you know, I just kind of figured we're all related to everybody somewhere down the line because, you know, because <laughs> of the ark and anyway. But... And so I was like, who, you know, I wish I was related to somebody. That's really cool that you're related to Josiah Bartlett. So I've, I've been married to Nicole for, you know, at least 25 years at the point that I discover my brother-in-law goes on Ancestry.com, you know, and he does all this research and he finds out that my seventh great grandfather was, I'm a direct descendant of Davy Crockett. Well, he's a whole lot cooler than some signer of the Declaration of Independence. I mean, Davy Crockett has a song. But it, so what it did though, as you could tell, I'm excited, is it, is it, I put on a new identity. I'm Davy Crockett's great, 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 great grandson. That's me, Davy And you're God's grandchild. Not Davy Crockett's, God's. His child, not his grandchild, not his great, 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 great grandchild, his child. Glory to God. So this is the same image that was prior to sin. So you're born again. The born again experience is the Holy Spirit breathing this life into you. Thank you, Jesus. Now, turn over to John chapter 3. You're there in John, so this should be real easy. We're going to do quite a few scriptures in John today. But I want to look at verse 5 and verse 6. This is a religious leader that comes to Jesus, and he has a question for him. And Jesus begins to explain to Nicodemus about what it means to be born again. And he says in verse 5, he says, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, but that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Interesting, that the, so there's two, two births here. <clears throat> I, 
you know, those of you that are parents and, and you've had that experience of kids, the natural birth, that word water is actually the word water. That's what it means. You know, you look it up in the Greek, it actually is the literal word water. So you're born of water. So in order to qualify for salvation, you have to be a human. It's good news, you know, animals can't get saved, devil can't get saved, angels can't get saved. This is for humans. And, but the second thing is the salvation by the spiritual birth. There's a spiritual birth that happens. It's, it's water and spirit. The Old Testament prophets prophesied this. In fact, if you can find it, turn left and go over to Ezekiel. Ezekiel chapter 36. Right before Daniel, Nicole said. She knows the song, all the names of the Bible. But the, he's, one of the, he's one of the Old Testament prophets that prophesied about this. So is Joel, so is Isaiah. But we're going to read out of verse 25. <clears throat> verse 25 says this. He said, then I will sprinkle clean water over you. Now, he's prophesying of the future. He's prophesying of what Jesus is going to do in the life that you and I are privileged to live now because of the finished work of the cross. But verse 25, then I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit where? Within, Within you. Okay, this is, this is important because the progression of our relationship and our connection with God has been in the Old Testament, God above us. And then God with us is Jesus. Jesus came in the flesh, manifested in the flesh, is born of a virgin, and now we have God with us. But now we have progressed to God in us. The salvation of the soul is God coming to dwell in you, that your body becomes the temple of the Holy Spirit. Everybody following that? So the, put the new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. You don't have to be a cold-hearted person anymore. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you will keep my judgments and do them. So the Holy Spirit's the one that's going to enable you and help you follow God's commandments. You can't do it on your own, guys. You can't do it by yourself. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God because if you try to do something in the flesh, it's only as strong as the flesh. And so we need the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. So Ezekiel combines, interesting in this, the cleansing of water and the inner renewal of the Spirit. Now let's look at another one. Let's go back over to John. John chapter 4. I love hearing pages turn. That's refreshing. All right. John chapter 4. We're going to look at verse 10 because Jesus has been traveling with his disciples and they've come to the Samaritan town and they stop at Jacob's well. And Jacob's well is a real sacred place to the Samaritans. And so Jesus sits down, he's resting, he's, you know, uh, he's hungry and he's tired. And so the disciples go to get him something to eat. And this is where we are <clears throat> at this point where the Samaritan woman comes out to draw water from the well and Jesus asks her for the drink, for a drink. And she says, why would a Jew ask a Samaritan for a drink? 
because they don't have anything to do with each other. And Jesus answered this way. He said, if you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would give you living water. Well, then she said, well, you have nothing to draw water with. How are you going to get this living water? Jesus has an answer, verse 13. He says, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up to into everlasting life. Now, I want you to consider one of the words up here in verse 10, and it's the word gift, gift. The gift of God that Jesus is talking about is living water, something that will always produce, that you'll never have to try and make it produce. So this is what the Tyndale New Testament commentaries had to say about this word. The word gift, and I won't try to say the pronunciation, but D-O-R-E-A is the word is found only here in the Gospels, but it is used four times in Acts and always in reference to the gift of the Holy Spirit. In the Old Testament, God is described as the source of living water and also of the Holy Spirit. So, you don't have to turn there, but what he's referring to is Jeremiah chapter 2 and verse 13, where it says, for my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewn themselves cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. So when we do things by the flesh, it, that, there's an old saying, my grandpa used to say it all the time, that doesn't hold water. It's because the bucket's so old, there's so many holes in it, it doesn't hold water anymore. And that's when we try to do things by the, spirit, by the flesh. But when we do things by the Spirit, those who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons and daughters of God. See, the Holy Spirit is this fountain, this living water that springs up with, within you. And so when you're born again, you have something that is now living on the inside of you that will always produce, that it will never lack in your life. And that is so good. So I want, to, I want to mention a few things when talking about salvation that the Holy Spirit, the role that he plays in your salvation. You guys ready? So you're there in John, turn over to chapter 14, verse 16. 14, verse 16. I'm, I'm gonna keep you moving because I don't want you to fall asleep. I, don't th- I think it'd be hard to fall asleep in our service. Maybe this would be the only part you might be able to, but our services are, are if nothing, they're entertaining. <laughs> nothing, no, I'm teasing. It's, there's plenty extra. John 14, verse 16, Jesus said this. He said, and I pray the Father, and he will give you a helper. Another translation says comforter, that he may abide with you forever. It's a, it's a comforter. Why? For things that cause me to be uncomfortable. Yeah. You're going to have discomfort in your life. Many of you answered an altar call that Zach gave to, um, you know, to be able to share the gospel with people. You know, for some people that are introverts, it, it may not be as easy for them to want to speak. It may take extra effort. But in your uncomfortability, the comforter comes. Yeah. Yeah. What do you do when you're afraid to do something? 
You do it anyway, and the later you brag about it. It's typically what happens. Why? Because you were afraid to do it at first, but when you do it, did it, you realize, oh, that wasn't so bad. First time you rode the, rode the roller coaster, maybe, that you didn't want to ride? Parents made you get on it? Maybe, I don't know if it, that was everybody's situation, but, you know, dad makes you get on it, and you ride it, and after you rode it, you're like, woohoo! Bring on the next one. We're doing the next one, you know? Why? Now you're no longer afraid of riding roller coasters. When, uh, when we were, lived in Louisville, Kentucky, we would go to a retirement community once a week on Wednesday at noon, and we would share the gospel with all, all of the people that lived there. And we did it every week for how long? Seven years, the, whole, the entire time we lived there. And so we would go. So Zach and Rebecca, our daughter at the time, they were, I'm not, I'm not gonna guess the age, but they were somewhere around here. Nine and 11. Nine and 11, okay. So I had the height wrong even. But nine and 11. And Nicole would put the mic in their hand. And she'd say, share, you know, share a good word with the folks. And Rebecca would be like, I don't know. I don't have anything to say, mom. I don't even know what to say. She said, well, you'll be ready next time, won't you? And then Zach, come here. And she would have Zach give a good word. And Zach would be like, uh, you know, and so, because he wasn't as smooth as he is now, okay, on the mic. All right. How did that happen? It didn't start that way. It started very nervous and I don't know what to say. And then Rebecca started bringing jokes. And she would share jokes and the people would laugh and then it would encourage her. It gave her like a shot in the arm like, oh, I'm doing pretty good up here. People are laughing, you know? And then Zach, same way, he started sharing a good word and people were like, oh, that was a good, good word you shared, young man. And they appreciated it, but what, it, what did it do? It established confidence in them. Then what happened? Fear went away. Yeah, that's a good idea. See, see the Holy Spirit is there to help you. He's your comforter. He's the one, he's your helper. But you know what I found? Some people don't like to ask for help. Even though they need help. They don't like to ask for help. You know, and, and yet the Holy Spirit, I, what, what must it do to him when he has all the answers and he has the ability to help you beyond belief, I mean, in amazing ways, and he doesn't get asked. Or you have the other person on the other side who is the, you know, they're going to ask for help, but they'll only receive help if it comes a certain way. You remember that old joke where the, the person is, is I, I don't remember if he's in a flood or, and he's trapped and he prays that God would send him help and God sends him three different kinds of helps and help and he rejects them all because it wasn't like what he wanted and he winds up dying and he shows up at the pearly gates and says, God, why didn't you save me? He said, I sent three different forms of salvation for you and you rejected all of them. How much, how often do we do that with God? Reject his plan, what he wants to do, the, the way that he wants to do things. You know what I found in my life? He seldom does it the way I think he's gonna do it. I always, I always thought, I, I kind of thought I knew what our relationship was going to be like, you know, my future wife and how, how we would meet and how we, we, we would go on dates and we would have these amazing nights where I'd look at her, you know, in the sunset and the wind blowing gently and, and Celine Dion playing in the background, whatever your favorite song is, playing in the background, you know, and we would have this moment. I had no idea that she would live a thousand miles away and we would look at the moon together on the phone. 
and we would literally date through the mail. It didn't look like what I thought it was going to look like, but let me tell you, I'm so glad I conceded. And I flowed with the Holy Spirit. Many times the Holy Spirit's waiting for you to flow with him. But the micromanager tries to get him to flow with them. That doesn't work. You don't ask ask the boss to get your coffee in the morning. I got one clap on that. All right. We're doing well here. He's not a control freak. He's a gentleman. And he's not going to push his way into your business. He's not going to make you use him. All right? Okay. Let's look at another one. Where are we at? Oh, I got to give you this revelation before I can move on, though. We should ask him. You know why? Here's the, here's the big revelation. Are you ready for it? You might want to write this down. He is smarter than you. <laughs> Sorry. He is. He is smarter. He knows everything. He knows the beginning from the end. But he's waiting to be asked. He's waiting to be asked. All right, let's move on to the next one. Oh, I like this scripture. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. If you don't have this one memorized, it'd be a good one to memorize. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. It's one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible. The Holy Spirit, in regard to salvation, is also your guide and your counselor. Your guide and your counselor. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6 says this, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. He shall direct your path. He's the one that shines light on the direction that you should go. <clears throat> I, I met a guy that really needed direction in his life. I mean, he really, um, he was faced with a situation where he, he needed to hear from heaven. He didn't need to hear from Phil, <laughs> for sure, you know. And, and, um, and I told him, I said, I, let me encourage you in something. Let me encourage you to take, set some time aside, go on a fast, and, and really get alone with God and, and pray, and then get quiet and listen and let him speak to your heart. And he said, I can't sit still that long. And I thought, well, that's interesting. You know, people will pay thousands upon thousands of dollars and take two days off of work and fly across country to meet with a amazing leader to say, one thing to them that would totally turn their situation around. That's what the Queen of Sheba did. In fact, she didn't spend thousands upon thousands. She spent millions and came to Solomon and brought camels full of gold and all kinds of other precious treasures. And she gave it all to Solomon just to hear his wisdom. And she left with more than she brought. Scripture says, <laughs> And yet, we're unwilling to take time to sit at the feet of the creator of Solomon, the one that gave Solomon all of his wisdom, the one that gave that guru that lives out there on the West Coast all of his wisdom. Yeah. Wow. He wants to be our guide. He wants to be our guide. The Holy, the Holy Spirit wrote the scriptures. 
He's the author of the scriptures. Everything that you read in the Bible, the Holy Spirit wrote. So when he speaks to you, he doesn't speak on his own authority. He speaks the word. So this is one of the ways I know that the Holy Spirit is speaking to me is it always is in alignment. Say the word always. always. It always aligns with scripture, what he says. In fact, in Psalm 119, verse 105, it says this, that his word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. When we traveled, uh, before we moved here, we used to travel a lot, and so we were in different hotel rooms often. And I've discovered that hotel rooms are laid out different. Depends on where you're at and what's high. And so occasionally, might be in the middle of the night, I may need to get up and go take a break. And so I, I get out of bed and I'm trying to find where the bathroom is and I'm tripping over stuff because I don't want to w- wake my wife up. I don't want to turn the light on, you know? And so I'm bumping into furniture and I'm tripping over stuff and I'm trying and I finally get to the restroom because, you know, the blackout curtains are amazing. When all I had to do was take my little phone and turn just a little screen on and I could, oh, hey, it's a lamp unto my Feet. I do a whole lot better in light. I don't know about you. Light helps me a lot. I don't trip over stuff. I can see where I'm going. Yeah. It's, I know this is elementary, but you know how many people... <sighs> a blind person is one who does not follow the Holy Spirit. Yep. And God has given you the Holy Spirit in salvation so that you could follow His direction. Where do you follow His direction first? It's all right here. Let me tell you, every answer for your life is in here. How is it? Because I have the Holy Spirit on the inside of me and I thank God that I do. How is it that I could be praying and asking God, Lord, what scripture should I share for baby dedication? And then Joe texts me right after that and said, hey, we're filling Psalm, you know, uh, 1 Samuel chapter one. The very thing that God spoke to my heart. How does that happen? We didn't even talk about it. We didn't discuss it. It's the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God. He is your counselor. He is your guide. He's also your life coach. Turn over to John 14. I would encourage you to make him your life coach. Could I hear an amen on that? I, I thank God for people, but he's the divine teacher. He's the one that God has called to teach you. You know, when you got saved, you got a whole lot more than you bargained for. Salvation is not a free ticket to heaven. It's, it's what it's been reduced to in many ways, but that's, that's just one aspect of salvation. There, there is so much more. You, you get the Holy Spirit who comes and dwells on the inside of you. This was the salvation experience that the disciples had. And so the teacher... Uh, Let's read in uh, John 14, look at verse 26. It says, the Holy Spirit will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I've said to you. Now, in in chapter 16, one page to your right, verse 13, it says, when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. So, So that puts us in the position of being a disciple Disciple is where we get get the word discipline from the word disciple. 
And we talked last week about that word disciple. That it was, it's very difficult to actually define um, in the Greek or Hebrew. It's, it's a word that's, that's very difficult. But one of the best definitions that, <clears throat> that I had heard, and actually I got this from Dean Becker at, the, at Regent University who said this, that I thought it was so good, was that it's, it's a disciple is one who studies under a master and studies until they learn everything to do things exactly the way the master does them until he looks like the master looks. That's, that's what a disciple is. As many as are led by the spirit of God, they are the sons of God. You know what differentiates sons from non-sons? It's that they follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. Imagine what your life would be like if you followed the direction of the Holy Spirit. Imagine how things could change. Imagine if you stopped and you took a moment and you prayed before you married that person. Imagine the heartache that, that could be removed from your life because you, you took time to ask God about situations and circumstances. I, I'm so thankful for the Holy Spirit. He's the one that brought us here. And, and when you follow his leading, then his provision is there. His resource is there because, because now you're doing what he wants you to do instead of doing what you're wanting to do and then asking him to bless it. I don't know about you. I, I don't want to be the kind of church that <clears throat> I have to go out and get a part-time job and... and resource the church, that, that it falls to me to, to pay for things in the church, personally. I've seen that. I feel like it's such a fleshly way to do it because I feel like if it's God, then he's responsible to pay for it. Scripture says, what, what, what person goes to war at their own expense? What soldier goes to war at his own expense? He gets everything provided, the uniform, the tools, the weapons, the plan, the battle plan. And, and three square meals a day. I mean, what more could you ask for? You got your outfit, you got your clothing, you know? And when we came here, we were, I was very uh, nervous. But I was putting it down because I trusted God more than my nerves. Yeah. Nerves are gonna come up. When you decide to do something for God, it's always going to stretch you and your nerves are always gonna be there. I got news for you. They're always gonna be there. But you have the opportunity to trust in God more than your nerves. And honestly, we, we didn't know what was going to happen here. We had come here to take over for another church, uh, for a pastor that was retiring. And uh, we found out later that that wasn't the case. That, you know, he, he wanted, anyway, we, we were not in agreement. What, what I had told him that we were willing to do, he was... He was not on the, on the page and was hoping that I would change my mind. And so when we parted ways, we were like, our family is going, what do we do? Lord, do we pack up and leave? My family was ready to pack up and leave. They were. And um, I wasn't, I, because I felt like we needed to pray and we needed to ask God, what's, what's your plan? What do you want us to do? And so I, I took a week and really sought the Lord. I got still. The scripture says to be still and know he is God. 
You won't know he is God until you take time to be still. Cut everything off. Turn your cell phone off. I mean, you have to, you have to cut things off so that you can focus. And that week, I, I, I prayed and spent time with the Lord. And I went to Tulsa, spent uh, a day with one of my mentors. And the next thing I knew, God has had us coming back and having a meeting and seeing if we should have church in our house. Our house at that time was, you know, we had a living room that was not very big and we took all of our furniture out of the living room and somebody had blessed us with 160 stackable chairs. And I remember, I remember, yeah, Holly, yours nodding your head. We, we moved all the furniture out of the way. We put these chairs in rows. We didn't have a sound system. We didn't have anything. All we knew was one thing. God, I will obey you no matter what you tell me to do. I will obey you. So then what happened? We started having service and amazingly, people started to come. And I thought, well, we can't do this in my house. I live in a restricted neighborhood. I'm not even really supposed to be doing this. I don't think. But I said, I said Lord, what do we do now? And he said, begin to look for a place. And we looked for a place and God opened the door at the Apollo on Emma there in downtown Springdale that we could have service. And they offered it to us on a weekly basis. And so we rented, we agreed to that and we rented that, but, but we didn't have a sound system. We didn't have a keyboard, we didn't have anything. You know what was interesting? There at the Apollo at the time, there was the, uh, what were they called? The, the organization that had the keyboard there? The Lions Club, yeah. They, <clears throat> no, the Rotary Club, Club they, had, they had a keyboard that was on wheels. And they said, you're what, you can use our keyboard. So we rolled it out, you know, wheels. I mean, it was this thing. I don't know how nice it was. Yeah, Rebecca's, Rebecca's shaking her head. No, because <clears throat> Rebecca started coming in our house. You and your mom started coming in the house too. And there were several of you and Terry. And, and so anyway, so we set the keyboard up. And so I thought, well, we need a sound system because in, in, the, in the Apollo, it's real, um, you know, their sound system is like, it's meant for weddings to be able to, you know, give glad tidings to the, to the groom and the bride. It's not meant to put sound through like this, you know, and uh, it would distort and whatever. And so anyway, I said, we need a sound system. And so I reached out to a pastor friend of mine. He, he said, well, I don't have a sound system. He said, but call this guy. I call him and he said, Phil, I've got you. He said, I'm gonna give you everything that you need. He gave us the microphones, gave us the sound board, the speakers, and hooked us up and he said, I don't need it. This was February. I don't need it until April. I have a gig in April, so I might have to have it back. Do you know that God brought in enough money through that season that we were able to buy, purchase our own sound system and we gave it back to him like two months before that? Let me, does that not sound like God? And then he takes us from there, from the Apollo, he takes us to the Jones Center. The Jones Center invited us to come. They wanted us in there on a weekly basis and, and they let us have a room in the back. We didn't have, we didn't have to work so hard on the setup. I thought, well, I thought if we stay at the Apollo much longer, we're gonna have a mutiny on our hands because we were bringing everything, chairs, stage, everything. And boy, we were, our guys looked like Arnold Schwarzenegger, you know, we were... And that's why I'm not, I'm not working out as much as I used to. But anyway, 
And then we're at the Jones Center. I'm just sharing this with you so that you can rejoice, but you can hear the testimony of following the direction of the Holy Spirit. So one last thing. The Holy Spirit speaks to me. We're at the Jones Center and says, I want you to, <clears throat> the cloud's moving from the Jones Center. That was all he said. The cloud's moving. Well, I knew that from Scripture that every time the cloud moved, you moved. I'm going with the cloud, man, you know? And it didn't matter if you just set your tent up and just got your pegs where they needed to be. If the cloud started moving, what do you need to do? You need to yank up your tent pegs and pack it up and get on the road with the cloud. And I just went, Lord, <clears throat> I don't know where to go. We started looking for buildings. We started looking at, at uh, different places. I mean, I, I've learned from my wife that if you walk in a place and you know immediately, just to turn around and walk back out. Save them time. Save yourself and them time. And that's what was happening. We were walking in these places and I was like, oh, can tell that's not it. You know, and we would walk back out. And I, I said, Lord, I don't know what you have planned for us, but I'm looking to you. It's going to be good, whatever it is. And uh, so, so we, uh, uh, it was February of last year because it was Super Bowl weekend. And the Lord said, I want you to get away. I want you to leave on Sunday and come back on Wednesday. I want you to get away and fast and pray for a couple days. <laughs> you know, there's times to fast and pray like we're in a fast right now, you know, that's, that's you but when the Holy Spirit asks you to come away and pray and fast. Now, I didn't have a list to pray about. I didn't have, I didn't bring the building with me. I didn't bring the worry, the concern of it. Because when your trust is in him and you're focused on just doing what he tells you to do, then he's responsible for all those details. I wasn't worried about it because my faith is in him. So I get away and I, I fast and I pray. I'm out in this little cabin out in the middle of nowhere. You say, well, what happened out there? Nothing. I didn't even see an animal. I saw a pudgy squirrel. That was all I saw. He was the fattest squirrel I've ever seen in my life. Oh, I'm serious. He climbed a tree. He sat on a limb. Literally, I'm watching him and the limb breaks. It was like a cartoon. And he fell. <laughs> and then he was like, oh, shook himself off. I was like... This is crazy. But anyway, so I'm out there praying, and I'm not really sensing his presence. I'm not really hearing from heaven. So I got to be honest with you. If you pray, spend any time in prayer, there's going to be moments where you're not going to sense his presence. There's going to be moments where you're, but that doesn't mean he's not there. It's not based on feelings. And I just, I just continued to press in. I just continued to pray and to seek him. And I'm not thinking about the building. I, I think I prayed about it one time. I said, Lord, and this was my prayer. Lord, I know you've got this. And I'm not worried about it. I'm just here to love on you. Do you know that because you have the Holy Spirit on the inside of you, he wants to have communion with you. Yeah. Your communion is with him. If you find yourself thinking about someone, it may be because he wants you to pray for them. Yeah. It may be because he's bringing them up to you so that you'll do something with that. And so, so anyway, I get back home and nothing's really changed. And we have, a, uh, we have a meeting and I meet with some of our leadership team and they said, well, you know, maybe, maybe we should look, maybe we're looking at the wrong place for a building. Maybe we should consider um, 
God may want us to get land. Who knows? And so I called Pastor Eddie, who pastors Central Cristiano right across the breezeway there. And I said, I said, tell me again about when you bought your land. Because we've been good friends. He was one of the few people I knew when I moved here. And, uh, and I said, tell me again how you got your land and what happened there. And so he begins to tell me the testimony again. But then he said this. He said, Phil, what are you guys trying to do? And so I told him, I said, oh, no, no, I don't know, Pastor Eddie. All I know is that the Holy Spirit said the cloud is moving from the Jones Center. That's all I know. And he said, he started laughing. He said, Phil, I just told my wife the other day, if Phil and Nicole or Vision Church ever leaves the Jones Center, I'm going to offer them our building. Now, let me ask you a question in closing, because some of you look concerned. Which would you rather have? Toiling, striving, finding a place that may be suitable, maybe not. Or would you rather have the Holy Spirit lead you and reveal to you where you should go, what you should do? Because many of you may not know, but we, we meet in here rent-free. And what that enables us to do is we store away every week. Every week that money goes in an account and we're saving for our own land because I didn't know it, but God had put a man in in Pastor Eddie in my life who understood exactly what we were doing as a church. And I said, with tears in my eyes, I said, why are you doing this? And he said, Phil, because another church did it for us. Another church allowed us to meet in their building for free so that we could save money. And then we came and we bought this land and we built this building. And he said, you know, he said, I always knew that I wanted to do it, do that. He said, but I always thought it would be like a, like a Marshallese church or a Hispanic church that I would help. I never thought it would be an Anglo church. <laughs> I said, well, whatever we are, we are glad that it was us. And we're so thankful. I just, if I'm trying to get something across to you, it's that the Holy Spirit wants to help you. He wants to be much more of an intricate part in your life than just saying hi to him once in a while. He wants to have a sweet, intimate relationship with you because he loves you that much. He loves you that much. So I wanna, I wanna pray for you this morning. Would you pray with me? Holy Spirit, we are so thankful for you. We are so thankful that you lead us, that you guide us, that you care so much about us, that you're our teacher, our counselor, our Lord. Father, this morning, I pray for every person here, Lord, that the authenticity of the relationship that you want to have with them would be realized in such a fresh way. I pray that over every person. If you're here and you're not as close as you want to be, 
to the Holy Spirit who lives on the inside of you. I pray now over you that his lordship would become so genuine to you and authentic that there would be no way that you'd ever be able to tear yourself away from that that you would fall more and more in love with him. You wouldn't fall in love with what he can do for you. You would fall in love with him, who he is. He's king. He is Lord. There's no one greater. There's no one more powerful. There's no one who knows more than he does. But what he's asking for you, from you this morning is the opportunity to prove himself to you. He's asking you, will you trust me? Will you involve me in your life? Will you involve me in your relationship with your spouse? Will you involve me in your relationship with your kids? Will you, even better than that, will you turn your kids over to me so that I can work in their life? Maybe you're here in that, you're that person I was talking about where you're trying to micromanage God. And the Holy Spirit is dealing with your heart this morning that you don't have to do that. He knows better than you. In fact, he'll do it in such a way that you'll be astounded. And you'll look at it and you'll say, God, I had no idea. <sighs> he can solve every problem. Lord, I thank you for every person here. God, I thank you for the reality of who you are. Lord, we will not ignore you. <clears throat> we don't want you to be the most ignored person of the Trinity. We want you to be the most known in our lives. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Lord, we thank you. We praise you. We bless your mighty name. In Jesus' name. Say amen this morning. <clears throat>